What's up, listeners? Welcome back to Black and Cold, a true crime podcast for the overshadowed. I am your host, Michelle, and I am back this week with a new episode. To keep up with any of the cases that I've covered so far, you can follow BNC on Instagram, and that's at black underscore cold underscore podcast. If you are a fan and you have not done so already, go ahead and click that subscribe button for me on whatever platform you are listening from. And feel free to leave a rating or drop a review if you're feeling extra generous. Last but not least, if there is a case that you'd like to see me cover, you can submit a suggestion in, which you can find that link in this episode's show notes. So the case that I will be discussing on today's episode is by far one of the most bizarre ones that I have covered on this podcast. And if you happen to be a consistent listener, I would definitely put it up there with like the disappearance of Terrence Woods Jr., which I covered some time last year and still remain completely perplexed about. And much like that case, this story is again something that I just cannot wrap my head around and there are many elements to it, specifically a voicemail that will really make you wonder about what happened to this young father. This is the very mysterious death of Henry McCabe. McCabe immigrated to the United States from the West African country of Liberia in the early 2000s, and he actually survived 14 years of civil war there before physically coming to America to live out the American dream. When Henry arrived to the U.S., he settled in California, and that's where he met his wife, Corrine. And Corrine was quickly smitten when she first met Henry Reported by the Minnesota spokesman reporter, she described their relationship and said that she normally didn't give her number out to people, but it seemed that there was something about Henry that would change that. The two met one another at a Liberian party, and from that day on, they would blossom as a couple, where they eventually got married, and they had their first daughter shortly after that. Henry taught his wife how to cook traditional African food, and that was one of the many things that Corrine adored about him. In addition to that, he was known to be friendly and extremely caring. By the year 2012, the McCabes decided it was time for a change, and this is when they relocated to Moundsview, Minnesota, a popular city north of Minneapolis. And this is where Henry took on the role as an auditor at the Minnesota State Department of Revenue. After about two years into their move, Henry and Corrine welcomed a second baby girl into their family, and from the looks of it, they seemed to have officially settled in Moundsview. Although Henry left his country and moved to the United States, he never forgot where he came from, 
and he was very active in not only Liberian rights, but international rights in general, especially for the less fortunate. Henry was very well respected, and anyone who knew him would tell you that he was intelligent, easygoing, and he was always dressed up, whether he was in a suit, just a suit jacket, or something to that nature. According to many of his friends, Henry was also never afraid to talk about politics with people. It was something that he really enjoyed, and he eventually wanted to go into politics as a career in the future. So it is the first weekend in September of 2015, and Corrine, along with the two young McCabe daughters, actually traveled to California to visit family. Now, while they were away, Henry stayed back in Moundsview, and his two nieces visited him, which they stayed over there with him for the weekend. On Sunday, September 6th, Henry and these two nieces attended this local barbecue. And it was reported on Still a Mystery that there were many people there from Liberia that Henry knew, and he hadn't seen them in a long time, so he was excited. After some hours, when the gathering began to wind down, Henry then invited a guy named William back to his house, who some people describe as a friend, and some sources seem to just refer to him as an acquaintance. But whatever he was, when they all got back to Henry's residence, they ate some dinner, and then Henry and William decided to meet up with another friend and go out for a night on the town. Henry told his nieces he would not be out that long and he would return home with a movie and some snacks for them. So from there, him and William ended up at a very popular nightclub called Club C'est La Vie, located on Highway 65 in Spring Lake Park, which is just the next neighborhood over from Moundsview, so it wasn't far. When they arrived there, Henry and William met up with another friend named Calvin. They were drinking and having a good time, and according to reports, they all stayed out pretty late, closer to the club's closing time. Now, after this, this is where things get kind of strange. So Henry got a ride with William after everyone left from the club. And shortly after 2 o'clock a.m. that morning, now into the early hours of September 7th, he was reportedly dropped off at a gas station in Fridley as opposed to his own house, which I should add was reported to be in the opposite direction. And according to Fox 9, this was about a 40-minute walk from Henry's home. The reasons as to why Henry was dropped off there are not very clear, but what we do know is that after he was taken to this gas station, he never returned home, nor was he seen alive again. Henry did, however, manage to call his wife in the middle of all of this. Remember, she was still in California at the time, and from my understanding, she answered the phone, but the call didn't appear to be intentional. Now, what Corrine heard on the other line was nothing short of just scary, and this piece of audio is what became the most very unsettling voicemail that I have ever heard. Now, I'm going to get into more details regarding this voicemail, but just to continue on for now, Henry's phone went dead sometime after this message was left, and no one was able to get in touch with him. 
Once his loved ones realized that no one could get in contact with him, on top of him never making it back home to his two nieces, this is when they reached out to law enforcement. Kareen, along with Henry's brother, reported him missing, and right off the bat, the local authorities wanted to speak with the person that was supposedly with Henry last, and this was William, who dropped him at this gas station in Fridley. According to William in his interview, during their night out, Henry got very intoxicated, to the point where William even took his keys. And Henry also began to spend a lot of his money on drinks, not only for himself, but for other people around. So one of the other guys they were with, who I mentioned before, Calvin, actually decided to take Henry's wallet from him, just so he wouldn't keep spending. Now, when it was time to leave, Henry then left with William, but William was not familiar with the area, so he needed Henry's help with directions back to his house. William went on to say that from there, Henry asked to be dropped off at this nearby gas station. And William was kind of like, are you sure? Like, I have no problem with taking you home. But Henry insisted. With no wallet and no keys to get inside of his house, Henry was dropped off at this gas station's convenience store, which was caught on surveillance at exactly 2.09 a.m. And he was seen walking off from William's car, and he pretty much just disappeared into the night. So initially, William gave authorities the wrong gas station information, as they couldn't locate any of the CCTV that showed him dropping Henry off. But after further investigation, they were able to determine that William's account of events were somewhat valid, and he just had the gas stations mixed up. Now, some people see this as sus, which it could be, but it could also be a result of William not knowing the area so well. After the surveillance was recovered by Moundsview police, it confirmed Henry getting out of William's car. But a lot of people who knew Henry questioned the whole thing. Like, how could you just drop this guy off at this gas station in the wee hours of the morning knowing he was intoxicated? But the biggest question of them all was, what transpired after Henry got out of William's car? Because at 2.28 a.m., just about 20 minutes after he was seen getting out of the vehicle, this is when Henry left one of the most bizarre voicemails that I have ever heard. And I'm actually going to play a portion of it for you guys. And it's very strange because when I first heard of this case a couple of years back, you know, you could kind of find more clips of this voicemail everywhere. Like so many people were talking about it. But for some reason now you can't. So I am literally going to play a snippet of it that I found, which was obtained by ABC in October of 2015. And I am locating it as I speak. So just bear with me, y'all, while I pull it up. It's a voicemail unlike anything you've ever heard before. There are two minutes worth of noises, bizarre ones. But very little actual talking. Authorities confirmed the disturbing middle-of-the-night call came from Henry McCabe's cell phone. It was Labor Day, September 7th at 2.28 in the morning. McCabe's worried wife heard the message. Isn't my cell phone connected? And here's another uh, short snippet. 
The tortured grunts suddenly stop. There is silence. Then someone, either Henry or another person, says, stop it. Yeah, so just like you guys may be feeling, I don't really have the words either to describe this message. It is quite frightening and it baffles me every time I go back to this case. But Kareen told authorities that when she received the call from her husband, she actually tried to three-way his brother into it, who was also in Minnesota at the time. Now, Henry's brother did not answer his phone, but this call then transferred to a voicemail being left on his brother's device. And this is the last known communication that Henry has had with anyone. Very quickly, after 31-year-old Henry McCabe disappeared, searches began for him. Along with the Moundsview Police, the Minnesota Civilian Public Safety Commission, also known as the MCPS, got involved in his investigation, and they also held searches for Henry as well. The MCPS is basically a nonprofit that looks out for residents in their community, they worked with the local authorities, and during this time, they also were working directly with the Liberian community, who were outraged at how Henry could just disappear like this. And people of the Liberian community were also fearful for themselves. According to the Star Tribune, over 25,000 people with roots in Liberia lived in Minnesota at this time, and they were just concerned that maybe this had to do with where they were from, or maybe they were just being targeted. The MCPS was also very skeptical about Henry's case from the very beginning, as it was every bit of unusual and suspicious. So the searches began in the area where Henry last made this phone call, and this was near the intersection of Silver Lake Road and Mississippi Street at Creekview Park in New Brighton. But after some weeks of looking, basically about two months, there still seemed to be no sign of him whatsoever. Henry had no contact with anyone in his family. He remained out of touch with his employer, and there had been no bank activity on any of his accounts. David Singleton, who led the MCPS, had his organization even offer a $10,000 reward for anyone with information leading to Henry's whereabouts. Corrine McCabe, Henry's wife, had already provided law enforcement with all of the information she could, including that very odd voicemail, which was now released to the public. But about a month after her husband went missing, on October 19th, Moundsview police spoke with her again in an interview. Corrine's interview stunned investigators after she told them that she believed Henry was alive and well. Corrine was convinced her husband was cheating on her, and she explained to law enforcement that she thought he was just living on the East Coast because he had secretly gotten another woman pregnant. According to her interview, she had previously confronted Henry about his possible infidelity, and she wanted to put a stop to his cheating ways. So clearly, the couple may have been going through something around the time that Henry vanished, but what really shocked law enforcement was that Corrine withheld this information, knowing all of these people were looking for him. 
The Star Tribune reported that the MCPS even took away the reward money that was initially put up because they felt so deceived. But even though the police felt they were being misled by Kareen, she stressed to many people that she absolutely had nothing to do with her husband's disappearance. And besides her, just going back to William, he was also another person who struggled during this time as he had to stress to many people that he had nothing to do with Henry's disappearance as well. William told local news channel Care 11 that he wished he had never given Henry a ride that morning. And he also went on to say, quote, I am willing, even if it costs me to pay for it, to take a lie detector test. I have no motive. I do not want to hurt Henry or anyone, end quote. On Monday, November 2nd, at 4.20 p.m., a kayaker at Rush Lake in New Brighton stumbled across a body partially submerged in the water. They immediately called 911, and when law enforcement arrived to the scene, they retrieved this body that was confirmed to be that of Henry McCabe's just a few days later. Henry was discovered just about six miles away from where he made his last call to his wife. How he got to that area still remains a mystery, but after a further look at Henry, the Ramsey County Medical Examiner's Office didn't identify anything suspicious on his body that could maybe tell a story of foul play. Henry had no unusual injuries. There were no markings, no broken bones, there were no gunshot wounds or any stab wounds. The ME's office determined that Henry died as a result of accidental drowning due to being heavily intoxicated. Now, when these findings were released to Henry's loved ones, of course, they had a hard time believing that he died as a result of an accident, especially due to the suspicious circumstances. Still, a mystery reported that Henry's phone was found in one of his pockets Meanwhile, the battery for it was found in another, which is very unusual. Then, the largest piece of suspicious evidence was that shocking voicemail that everyone now heard, including the public. Many people have analyzed that Henry sounded like he was in complete distress, and a lot of sources point out that you can hear him say, quote, stop it. So just replaying a part of the audio again, I can definitely hear what sounds like moans or maybe screaming in that very short time frame. And some of the noises almost seem somewhat inhuman, which is so bizarre. But this had people confused and Henry's loved ones did not want others to eliminate the idea that this was not an accidental drowning and his life was taken by someone else. Hundreds of people gathered together for Henry's funeral, which was held on Sunday, December 19th, just about three months after he went missing and over a month after his body was discovered. The Minnesota spokesman reporter reported that Esther Carmo, who was Henry's mother, was sadly unable to come to the States for her son's funeral, but she spoke from Liberia on the phone to honor him. Esther was truly grateful at how many people came together to search for Henry, but she also remained vocal about her belief that someone is responsible for his death. 
which Corrine and many other Minnesota residents of the African community felt no different. As I looked at many opinions and threads about this case, it seems a lot of people believe that Henry did sound like he was drowning, as this message was left unknowingly. A lot of people also seem to believe that Henry may have been targeted because of his role at work as an auditor, while some people even theorize he was targeted for his strong political views, which may have not sat well with other people, especially within the Liberian community. Did Henry meet with some type of foul play that morning after he was dropped off? Was he followed and possibly abducted? Or is this a case of someone who got a little too intoxicated as he may have been dealing with a lot of personal issues within his marriage or something else and he found himself in a fatal accident? Now, the original voicemail is said to be about two minutes long. What I played were just portions that were released. And even though there are many speculations and so many odd conspiracies about Henry's case, that's just what they are until proven otherwise. Henry McCabe's death is definitely one of the most peculiar cases that I've ran across. It is literally a mystery. But however you look at it, Henry was still a son, a brother, a husband, a father, and he was loved by many people. <laughs>